0: veteran walker with the fitness show hosted by fitness expert author and tv personality fitz kohler she'll tell you why diets are dumb supplements are snake oil and the truth about how you can earn a lean hard pain-free and athletic body now for our favorite bossy blonde fitz kohler
1: Hi team, I'm Fitz Kohler, your fitness expert from Fitness.com, and welcome to the Fitness Show. This is an episode I never thought I'd have to record, but here it goes. I have breast cancer. Now, this is not a surprise to many of you who have already been informed quite publicly on a few um, or one video I posted, but I thought I'd go into a little more depth here. I'm not going to go into too much depth because it's a private health matter, and for the most part, the nitty-gritty details are going to be kept private, and I appreciate you res- for respecting that. I've had a lot of questions, a lot of deep, deep dark, um, very <laughs> specific questions, and I'm just not giving them out to anyone other than my family, really, and that's a personal decision. Now, mind you, when I'm done with this, when I have beaten breast cancer and it's all over and done, I probably will be a lot more forthright, especially knowing that that information or my experiences may help others, but I'm just really not there yet, nor do I want to be there yet. I uh, I don't want sympathy. I don't want pity. I don't want any of that. Um, providing information, mostly on a need-to-know basis, or so I feel, as many of you know, I'm quite private in general, and psh, I've had some health issues in the past and none of you have known about that and that's been quite intentional because I don't believe in sharing private health information via social media and, you know, quite often it just looks for a desperate plea for attention and that's not who I am. I don't enjoy talking about the yucky stuff, the medical stuff. I don't enjoy talking about breast cancer, to be quite honest with you. Uh, it's just not enjoyable or fun or uh, it's slightly interesting, but ugh, it's a burden and not something I'm enjoying, but it is what it is. So here I go. This is my tale to tell. So in late December, in fact, December 27th, I went in for my annual mammogram and I go religiously to my annual exams. I go to my breast exam and my gynecological exam and my eyes and my skin. And the reason I do that is because I've always had the philosophy that if some jerk type of cancer tries to invade my body, I need to know immediately so I could crush it. And that's what's going on right now. Um, But anyways, December 27th, mammogram, crystal clear. And I know this is crystal clear because I actually um, went to my radiologist after my diagnosis and she let me view and photograph my December 27th, 2018 mammogram images, which were crystal clear. And then on February 27th, I was at Disney World for the Disney Princess Half Marathon weekend and in the bathroom, and I just happened to be scratching slash rubbing my underboob. And underboob is a word I've coined to (laughs) reference the space under your boob. It's something I've used for a long time. Feel free to use it. Underboob, perhaps maybe the next word added to the Webster's dictionary. That's a very useful term, especially for me right now. But nonetheless, I'm rubbing my underboob in the bathroom naked and psh, I feel something that does not belong there. It is quite obviously different than the rest of my breast and it feels like a bean, like a like a bean. That's it. That's all I can describe as <laughs> some sort of bean in there. It's did not belong. And it definitely got my attention and within 30 seconds of my first realization that I had this strange little lump in my breast, I picked up my phone cuz my phone was in the bathroom with me and I called my gyno who I have her number in my phone and so I just called her up and and I asked for the appointment and they said I could come in the next day, but the next day I was unavailable. So I made the appointment for Monday. So on Thursday I found the lump on Monday, I go in. Um, I did my best to ignore the lump for the rest of the weekend and have a good time. In fact, I ran the 10K that weekend, and, and I didn't run it, in fact. I My knee and my hip were not feeling good, and I decided instead of running through agony that I would do what lots of people do, and I would walk with friends. And my friend Marie, both Ty and Sean Matlock. Sean was a new friend that day, but... We walked that 10K and we had so much freaking fun. If you have not given that a try, I highly recommend you do because it's a blast. You know, sometimes we take these races very seriously and we're going to push ourselves and get a PR and that's great. And sometimes we're just going to run hard to get a great workout or to do our best or feel our best, whatever. But if you've got something bothering you, and you could A, bail on the race. There's nothing wrong with bailing on a race that you've signed up for because you're sick or injured. In fact, it's quite admirable and wise to do those things. Um, but in my position, walking didn't hurt a darn bit. So uh, DeMarie and Sean and I, we walked the 10K and talked, and we had so much fun. It was a very happy 6.2 miles for me. When I crossed the finish line, I didn't feel like I had done an ounce of work. Really, I just felt fresh and happy and wonderful. And if if you've not considered doing a race that way, I highly recommend... Sometimes it's okay to smell the roses. Just show up for the athletic adventure and the, I don't know, companionship with friends and like-minded people. It was wonderful. So that was that weekend. On Monday, I went into the gyno's office. I actually saw the physician's assistant because the doctor wasn't available. But, you know, she she uh, does the whole one, two, three, four clockwise thing, self-exams. You know how they teach you, start at... The number one and go around clockwise. Um, And she said, Yeah, I feel something at four o'clock. It does, she said, it feels asymmetrical and it doesn't feel attached to anything. I think it's probably nothing, but we'll order an exam anyways. Now, mind you, I would have demanded scans. There was no getting around that. But she was, we were on the same terms. So she requested the scans and they were booked for Thursday. And again, I didn't tell anyone about this lump because I just thought it was gonna be nothing. Back when i had given birth to my daughter Ginger, I think she was two, months, two weeks old when I found the lump, and that was scary. And I had the mammogram. I went to see the doctor. She felt it, sent me in for the mammogram, sent me in for the ultrasound. And while I was lying on the bed for the ultrasound with my two week old daughter sitting on the bed with me, all I thought was cut him off. I don't care. Cut them off because I want to be with this little person of mine. I desperately want to be here. Now, fortunately, that was benign. It was just calcification, something that nursing mothers get. It was no big deal. However... This time, um, I guess I was just hoping for a similar thing, some sort of nonsensical cyst that didn't belong there. Uh, So I went in, had the mammogram, which is no big deal. If any of you fear mammograms, get over it. It's not a big deal, and it doesn't hurt. It feels a little weird, but that's about it. And then I went in for the ultrasound, and I'm lying on the bed, and the ultrasound tech, who we all know is not allowed to say anything. She's not allowed to show expression. She's not allowed to say, ooh, this looks like cancer. This is nothing. She's just... Um, like a mute person ultrasounding my breast. Now, I see the tumor there. I see this black circular thing, and I was just hoping it was a cyst. And so she sees it, leaves, the radiologist comes in. And the radiologist is the person I've been seeing for uh, ever since I... Got that one uh, ultrasound after Ginger. She is my my physician for mammograms. And so she came in and it was interesting because her demeanor changed from normal. She was a little, I don't know. You could tell she was trying to be lighthearted and, cons- and she was concerned. But she picks up the ultrasound tool and starts rubbing the breast. And she goes, yeah, Fitz, this uh, lump looks pretty suspicious. So I'm going to send you on. She said, and your lymph nodes are swollen and hard. And with that... All the clear liquid stuff shot out of my face because I knew it. I knew it was breast cancer. And it wasn't getting out easy this time. Um, Lymph nodes are scary to me because it also means the cancer is spread from one place to another. And she recommended, she sent the referral to my gyno who was referring me to this surgeon. Now, mind you, epic surgeon. This guy is the best of the best of the best. Everybody loves slash worships this guy. And he's really sweet. And uh, I had gone over post traumatizing ultrasound to a girlfriend of mine, Cheryl. She's the one who owns the farm. She had breast cancer last year. And she, her husband's a physician. And you know, doctors kind of know who the good doctors are. So she told me who her team was of physicians for her cancer. And um, so this surgeon was on her list. He got me in within two hours of leaving that radiologist. I was straight at this surgeon's um, office. And he said, yeah, feels suspicious for me. And we're gonna sit you up with a biopsy, which I was able to get the very next morning. And I had six punch biopsies. And if you've not if you don't know what that is, they put you under ultrasound and they put a the needle into your breast under while they're watching it under ultrasound, so they can actually puncture your tumor or your lymph nodes, and then they go BAM. <laughs> Something inside this needle, this thick needle grabs a chunk of your tumor or whatever and sucks it out. It's stressful. (laughs) It's stressful. They numbed me up pretty well. So I felt a lot of pressure. It didn't feel good. But boy, after that, the next week or so, I was very sore, very black and blue. But um, that was a Thursday. And on Tuesday, I got the call that, hey, Fitz, we got your biopsy results. And it is cancerous. And I took that call at about 5.30 p.m. And then I got in the car and I drove my daughter with a smile on my face off to one of her uh, college prep things. And I did not want my children to know at that point. I just wanted wanted to know exactly what was going on with me before I told them anything. So that was my Academy Award winning night of my life where I just smiled and had a great time or at least tried to. While trying to ignore the fact that I had something really horrible inside of me, so after that it went to um, the oncologist. I chose my. I got this incredible oncologist and a radiology oncologist who, again, are considered the A team around here. Gainesville, Florida, is a mecca for brilliant medical minds. It's a. Re, we have a research hospital here at the University of Florida, UF Health, and. We are just very fortunate in many cases to have top-notch elite care, at trauma center, et cetera. And this team, these three doctors I have, I have elite faith in. So uh, after my, yeah, you got cancer, soon after they called and they said, this is the very specific type of breast cancer you have. Because what I learned is that within the realm of breast cancer, there's all different types, various degrees and anyways. Um, the moral of the story is they know exactly who my cancer is and they know exactly how to kill it. And to be frank, I, um, once I was diagnosed, I was certain I was dying (laughs) and I'm the most optimistic, positive girl in the world. But I thought, you know what? I am that perfect tragic tale. I'm the fitness professional who does almost everything right. And I help other people do the right thing. And isn't this going to be the tragic tale when I'm dead in a year? And I was pretty convinced I would be. Um, But after an MRI and some other information, they said, no, no, this cancer is not spread anywhere other than this one lump and these two lymph nodes, and we specifically know how to kill it. Because I kept asking, are you going to beat it? I have two kids. And many of you know who have kids, there's nothing that matters more than your children. And someone had said that when women get diagnosed with cancer, they think about their life, their children, and then their hair. And, uh, you know, my kids were right up there with my life because... You know, I'm here for other good reasons, but I'm not here for anything more fabulous than Ginger and Parker. So I was very grateful when I, you know, I kept saying, Are you, am I gonna, is this beatable? Is this beatable? And finally, the doctors, I mean, they looked at me with a little bit of swagger, a little bit of cockiness, almost dismissive, and said, Yes, 90% of breast cancer is treatable. Yours is specifically treatable. This is curative treatment we're prescribing. We will cure you. And then I felt better. (laughs) I felt better. I didn't feel great. Yay, I got the good kind of breast cancer. But I feel very confident that I'm going to be around to not only love my children and enjoy all of these wonderful days with them, but harass you. That's really my other goal in life is to love them, harass the crap out of you. And apparently, once I get through this nonsense, I will be back on track for doing that for a long time. Um, Quickly after, I had a port put in. It's on... Uh, I don't know, it's between my shoulder and my breast, and it's weird. They said it's especially weird on thin people, lucky me. And yeah, it looks like a big button kind of sticking out of my clavicle area. Strange, but it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt at all. It just feels weird. The only time they, it hurts is when, well, this is what a port is, if you're unfamiliar is I'm um, getting chemotherapy. And for cancer patients, instead of sticking them all the time, They put a port in, which is, I think it's a little square with a button type thing on top of it with a rubber casing. And so the nurse, the chemo nurse, will put a needle through that, and that's called accessing my port. And that's where they'll put in the IV fluids. Anything that comes through an IV goes through my port. They do blood draws through it. And some of the chemo drugs are so toxic that if it touches your skin, it will... I don't know, eat your skin up or cause a bad rash. There's a lot of things that actually shouldn't be touching your skin. And that's why they avoid putting uh, IV fluids or chemo drugs into people's arms as uh, they try to avoid that as often as possible. So anyway, I've got this port. It's strange. And, and basically everything my life from now is super strange. I Take things one what-the-hell moment at a time because they're hitting me left and right. Things that you just put your hand on your head and go, oh, my God, I can't believe that or this is happening to me. I can't believe I'm doing this. It's bizarro, and it's stressful, and it's interesting to me because so many of you have reached out and said, you're the bravest person I know, and you're so strong. And I think, boy, I have been a big baby I that first week after diagnosis. I cried more in that one week than I have since I was three. I mean, just sobbing all the time. Now, mind you, today I'm not doing it. I still burst into tears on occasion. This is really hard. This is really stressful. It's kind of scary. It feels bad. There's all of those things. But man, I didn't know I had so many tears. Um, You won't see that. That's not what I'm putting out there. It's not who I am, (laughs) right? But it is who I am. I've done a lot of crying, and uh, that's fine. Tears dry. I remember when I was a kid and I would cry, my mom would say, stop crying. You shouldn't be crying. And not that she thought we were too tough to cry, but it stressed her out when we cried. And so when my children cry, I said, it's okay. The tears dry. Um, It's all right to cry. And I have been that girl. At least I definitely was for the first few weeks because, yikes, it's very, very, very stressful. If you've got someone who has cancer or some other type of disease. I imagine the muscular, the movement-limiting diseases are equally stressful. I don't know. I mean, give them your ear or go easy on them because it's it's rough, and I'm sure you all would go easy on them. But nonetheless, I get my port, and then I I go in on that Monday for chemo. It just was a whirlwind of chaos. I went from happily running, walking, or chipper race with friends at Disney World to what the hell, sitting in a room, allowing them to pump poison into my body, it's been um, bonkers. It's been absolutely bonkers. Um, chemo day, part one, you know, it doesn't really feel bad while they're giving you the chemo. It feels, they gave me Benadryl to begin with in that. <laughs> that made me really tired. I'm a total lightweight. The effects of the chemo kick in soon after. But the first day I was able to sit with friends and that was fine. Um, I've already gone through two chemos and I can tell you that they're not pleasant. They're tough. Uh, I am tougher and that's a good thing, but it's not a good time. I'll reveal some of the, um, gritty details after the fact, but I'm continually working on remaining gritty and, uh, you know, just getting through it because that's it. That's really what's happening is I am enduring the cure. The cure I am assured of. I I completely feel that I will be cured and cancer free soon by the end of the year or whatever it is, but it's enduring the cure, which is the problem. (laughs) It's not a good time, but apparently not everything can be a good time. And I'm much, you know, my whole life I choose the rainbows and unicorns and the bright side of things and you know, Right now, my bright side is the cure, but in between now and then, mm, not so fun, not so fun. Um, I've had a lot of questions about my hair, and that's really one of the reasons that I revealed to the world that I had breast cancer is because I knew at some point I was going to stand on a stage bald, and y'all would be asking some questions that I didn't want to pre uh, repeatedly answer, and I didn't want anyone to think I had gone nutso a la Britney Spears 10 years ago. Um, So that kind of backed me into the corner of being public with this challenge I'm facing. Uh, But yeah, the hair, I was warned right away, several of these drugs that you're on are these chemo drugs will take your hair, which was stressful. I mean, I'm not my hair. Some people said it's your signature. It's not. My signature would hopefully be my knowledge of the human body, how it works and how to help it and my bossiness and my love for you guys. I would hope. As a professional, that would be my signature. As my friends, hopefully, my signature would be being a good friend and a helpful, happy person. But my hair, I loved my hair. I've never not had long hair. Once it grew in, when maybe I was three, I just kept it long. I just like it that way. And I specifically, for my work, love a high-swing ponytail. I've been teaching fitness since I was 14 years old. And that high swinging ponytail just seems like every fitness instructor should have one. Now, mind you, not every fitness instructor does, but for me, it felt like the right thing. And um, I especially am um, sad over losing my ponytail. Uh, but yeah, so I was told it was going to go. I had that first came on a Monday, and the I got through a week. And then on the following Thursday, I was brushing my hair in my bathroom and more hair was coming out than what was normally coming out. And so I took some deep breaths and I happened to be leaving for the Los Angeles Marathon the next morning. So what I decided is I'm not going to brush my hair anymore and maybe it won't come out. I'm just going to finger brush my hair. Friday morning, I wake up, I finger brush my hair, get ready, go to the airport, land in Los Angeles. And fortunately, Rudy was very kind and worked the expo for me all day which so I could get some rest. But on Saturday morning, um, hair was still a kind of status quo, being finger brushed. We hosted the LA Big 5K, which was so much fun. And I didn't really have to deal with my breast cancer at all while I was there. It just felt great to be alive and doing a job that I love with people that I'm crazy about and a wonderful uh, partner to work side by side with. And it was just fun, fun, fun. And that night, um, I was in the bathroom, brush, I had to brush, I had to brush it, right? I had to brush the hair, and lots was coming out, lots of hair were coming out. So I was stressed, but I went to sleep, and I woke up, and that's kind of when things hit the fan. It was Sunday morning of the Los Angeles Marathon, and I am brushing my hair, and it's coming out. I had already done my makeup, so I was trying not to cry, mostly unsuccessfully, but there were hundreds of long blonde hairs in that toilet in the bathroom and I had to go I had to go to get to the finish line and the bummer part about this particular race is that um it's a point to point it's very far between the start of the LA marathon at the Dodger Stadium all and we finish at Santa Monica Pier so because of that Rudy goes to the start and I go to the finish we can't both be at the start because the first people we release are the hand cyclists and if we yelled go and then started the elite women, and then get all, all the runners through, we wouldn't be able to beat the first-hand cyclists back to the finish line, and they deserve a warm welcome. So instead of us working together at the start, I just go straight to the finish, and I'm trying to ignore my hair loss while I'm in the car. Nobody else can see anything. Nobody else can see there's a problem. It's just me in my head, I'm trying to put on a happy fit smile. I greet the staff and the team all sitting up the finish line. And I get over to the finish line, and this is is really one of the things that makes my head explode, is the sound people failed that day. They failed to be prepared, they did not get the sound prepared for when we needed it. So I have no music, oh, and they're having glitches, they're having problems, I don't really know what they are, but we have no music and we have no microphone. And I'm watching now some of the lead hand cyclists come through the finish line, no music, no warm welcome, and now I'm really kind of cranky, <laughs> to say the least. I'm not. Nobody else knows I'm cranky because I would never put that out on a person at a uh, at a, a event while I'm being a professional. I do not. Ex- what's the word? Uh, show crankiness <laughs> because especially being cranky wasn't going to help these audio guys get their stuff together. It just wasn't going to help. So I was internally imploding. And Rudy walks up, and I'm so happy to see him. I get a good hug, and I tell him him what's going on with the sound. And he says, just calm down, which that really makes my head explode. Because the last thing you want to tell me is calm down. Um, So we got by that, and they finally got some sound up. There was no bass for a while. It just was stressful upon stressful. And again, nobody knows I'm losing my hair. I'm just trying to get over it, but the 2019 Los Angeles marathon will be the day that my hair hit the fan. I tell you what, I'm confident every single finisher, all 30,000 of them went home with a medal and a fits here that day. It just kept coming out and coming out. And ladies will know that when you have that one long hair hanging below your hair and you try to pull that one hair out. Well, when I pulled that one hair, 20 would come with it. It was so stressful and, The other burden is my daughter is really stressed over me losing my hair, and she was was sweetly very sad that we wouldn't look alike anymore, Um, and I think that our blue eyes, our big smiles, our noisiness (laughs) makes us look alike, but she had said, promise me, mommy, you won't cut your hair without me, so I couldn't even have someone come and shave my hair up on my stage, which I probably would have let somebody do if I hadn't promised Ginger that I was going to do it with her at home. But I owe Rudy Novotny a huge thank you for being not he being just such a good friend. He took great care of me that day. He worked overtime to be silly and be funny to try and distract me. He worked overtime as um, I was sobbing on our stage. We normally, you know, sometimes we work together on the microphone. Sometimes he'll welcome some people for a few minutes, and I'll take a few minutes off, and we switch and. If he was on the microphone and I was not, I was sobbing behind him. And that I just can't can't imagine being him. He managed me and the experience very, very well. It's just hard. So, again, all of you think I'm so brave and I appreciate that. But I don't know how brave I am. I mean, I definitely would never let the athletes see me sweat type thing. I certainly spoke with a smile and I meant it with every word. But when I didn't have the wonderful distraction of athletes at the tip of my tongue. It was very difficult. And then to top it off, we left that race and went straight across the street to California Pizza pizza Kitchen to eat food, dinner, lunch, whatever you want to call it. And I sat in our booth and I sobbed. And I'm sure everybody thought he was being mean to me. Oh, but it was hard. The whole thing was very, very hard. So boo hoo. My hair, I know it's just hair, it'll grow back, no big deal. But it was a big deal. It's something I loved and something that was hard to lose. And, you know, the fear of being bald, the whole thing is just stressful. I woke up the next morning afraid to pick my head up off the bed. I had to get to the airport, but I was thinking, oh my gosh, I don't want to see how much hair has fallen out. Once again, in the bathroom, hundreds of hairs in the toilet. When I got to LAX, I texted my hairstylist, who is not only... Great with hair, she's family. She's family friend. I love her desperately. She's been doing my hair forever, and she's the sweetest human on earth. And I texted her and said, "Would you come over tonight to do my hair?" And she said, "Of course." And so she drove an hour from her house to mine. And um, you know, I just didn't want to do it in a salon. I didn't want to sob in public. And that's what I did. I know some people just face the mirror and shave their own head so boldly and proudly and good for those people. That was not at all what happened here. I sat at my kitchen table with my fingers over my ear so I couldn't hear the cutting and I sobbed into a uh, tissue (laughs) until it was over. Um, But I was surrounded by my family and my son, when he was a baby and really all his life, he's 14 now, he twists my hair. It's a little comfort uh, comfort blanket for him. He just twists my hair. Uh, So he had asked for my braid. He said, Mommy, when you cut off your braid, can I have it? And Ginger wanted a little one, too. So uh, Kristen braided a skinny braid, cut it off for Ginger, and the rest of the hair got braided into a thick braid for Parker. And they both have those, and I don't know what they will do with them, but that's what they wanted, and that's where I wanted to give it. Um, so yeah, as Kristen was shaving, and if you have seen my photos from the Encinitas half marathon, that beautiful hairstyle is called a number two, (laughs) a number two on a razor. So, or a shaver, electric shaver, whatever, a two guard. So they were, they shaved it and I, I just hid my face in a tissue. And at some point Ginger said, mom, it looks kind of cool. And they liked it. I don't know if I like it. I clearly, I don't like it. I don't like having a bald head, and I don't have a two anymore. Now I have a zero guard on the side, and I think the fuzz on top of my head is a one or something like that. It's the weirdest freaking thing in the world. When I look in the mirror, it's jarring every single time. It's just jarring. It's confusing to my brain. My brain hasn't wrapped around my baldness, Um, but there's questions that I've got, are you going to wear a wig? And I thought maybe I might try wigs, but I did try some on and they were comfortable and they made me sad. Now, mind you, I tried them on before I lost my hair, but the fact of the matter is they made me sad and I don't want to do that. I, I'm i not going to wear them. They they seemed uncomfortable and just not my bag. I totally get it While why people wear the wigs and I don't blame them. But I'm not going to do that. I do wear hats, but I always wear a hat. Even with long 24 inches of hair, I wear hats. I'm a trucker hat girl and a fuzzy hat girl. And I still wear them when my head is cold. Um, One question I got is, are you embarrassed of your head? And absolutely not. I'm not. I did not do this to myself. I did not cause my cancer. And even if I did cause the cancer with reckless behavior, I would not be embarrassed of this hair or this head of mine. Do I love it? I do not. But I'm not embarrassed, and I don't, I don't know, I don't aim to please when it comes to this situation. I'm aiming to survive, get through it, whatever, disappointed or sad that I don't feel pretty. I mean, that is what it is, Um, but do I still feel like a nice person and a useful person and all of those other things I do? So um, pretty can come back, or my own version of pretty, I don't know if anyone else Thought I was pretty, but, um, you know, whatever, right? It's hair. Um, I had a little conundrum last week. I was invited to two uh, banquets at the University of Florida, various departments, which I go to every single year. And you know what? It's been very important to me not to miss the things I love to do or the things that I do do. And, um, while chemo has knocked me on my can quite a bit, it hasn't stopped me yet from doing some of those very important things. And one of the things I had worried was, oh my gosh, what kind of dress is going to go with a head like this? A bald, what dress is going to match with my bald head? And I really kind of, I didn't agonize over it, but I just kept thinking, how am I going to do this? And then I put the dresses on and you know what? They're my dresses. So they... They match my head. <laughs> however, however ridiculous my head is right now, it's my head and they're my dresses, and I'm going to wear them. Um, I certainly look different than I did, but again, whatever. They're my dresses. So I put them on and I did not hide my head. I did not wear a ball cap with a dress or a scarf. Some of my friends have worn scarfs beautifully. I don't think I'm a scarf girl. I'm not glamorous enough for a scarf. So I'm just going to be bald. And what I am grateful for is that I still have my lashes and my eyebrows. (laughs) And So in the overarching wish list out of this whole thing, I wish to survive. That's it. I wish to be cured. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to get that wish. But I have many wishes. And my many wishes are to keep my eyebrows and my eyelashes because they kind of Keep the girliness about me as much as possible. And I've been making sure when I go out of the house that I have bright lipstick on. And yeah, my other wish is to keep my muscles, right? So it's lashes, brows, muscles. And then really what I really, really, really want is I want to be able to do all of my professional events. I want to be able to host all of my races that I'm committed to because I love them and they're exciting and You know, breast cancer has taken enough from me. I don't want them to take that kind of joy. And if I were to be at home missing an event that I was supposed to be at, I would cry all weekend. So I don't want to miss my races. And I don't want to miss any special events for my children. My son will be graduating eighth grade. They do a little ceremony. I will be there no matter what. And, you know, whatever comes up with them I want to be at. But those are my mini wishes. And I'm sure... For those of you who had have either dealt with cancer or some other sort of sickness or injury, you got your little, holy cow, I can't miss that. And so I have a few, holy cow, I can't miss that type items. Now, um, as far as you all go, I have been so grateful for your kindness and support. Um, the original release or reveal of the information that i had cancer came with an overwhelming amount of support which is not ex- not unexpected from spectacular people like you i really i associate up that's my philosophy is always hang out with people better than you and i think i've done a really good job of finding a bunch of people better than me and you've all proven that with the kindness and love generated my way. I've had some really thoughtful gifts sent my way, and you don't have to spend any money on me, folks. I appreciate all of the generosity, but um, you don't have to do that. On on the flip side, I've received some beautiful blankets, and one was handmade, some great pretty hats, um, some stuffies. I don't know. Oh, you know what? Food. This is A really humbling experience because I have been someone to deliver homemade dishes to friends who have had babies or lost a loved one or have had cancer, you know, those type of things. But I've never been the recipient of any of this. And it is overwhelming. But I tell you what, my very first time I I got really sick from chemo, I had, and I was picking up my kids and I was feeling horrible. And they said, what's for dinner? (laughs) And I thought, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I can't do this. What? Dinner? I can't think of dinner. I can't think of food. I can't think of cooking. I just had a little bit of an explosion in my brain. And I don't know, 10 minutes after that conversation, which really was not a conversation, it was what's for dinner. And I said, "Uh, I didn't know because I didn't want the kids to know I was feeling bad. But a neighbor reached out and said, hey, we're going to Moe's tonight. Can we bring you dinner? And they did. And Holy mackerel! That was. Have you ever feel like someone saved your can in whatever situation, work, school, profe- This was magical to me. And I sat at the table and I didn't eat because I couldn't. But my family ate food, and I couldn't have been more grateful. It was almost like I won the lottery that day. Um, Farmer Cheryl, she uh, set up a meal train for me which is basically when people sign up to bring stuff and it has made life so much easier again i've brought over dishes to friends many times not really appreciating what was going on but now those meals have meant so much so people have cooked for us and it's it's all been delicious and people have sent gift cards or um, Bite Squad. We had Grubhub gift cards. Of course, Grubhub doesn't deliver much in Gainesville, so I will use those on the road when I'm in a hotel room and I do not want to get up and go. I will order food via Grubhub. But it's been a huge gift to my family and certainly myself as the mom who makes the food usually. Or it just—it's been really, really wonderful. I've had also a lot of people offer advice, and what I'm going to say is I've politely declined all of it. I have three expert physicians who know exactly what they're dealing with, who know exactly what I'm dealing with, and they have been guiding me perfectly. And I haven't. I don't want medical advice outside of theirs. I just don't want it. I don't want it. (laughs) Sounds maybe I sound like a jerk, but. It is what it is. I want to be laser-focused on what my team is telling me to do, and I'm taking that good advice. I have a couple of close girlfriends who have actually either are going through breast cancer right now or went through it last year that I've reached out for a few tidbits on occasion, and I've really appreciated that. And I have a world of people, as you can imagine, from every state, every country, saying, hey, I know this person who had breast cancer. Let me tell you it all. I don't want to do that. It just is no fun to talk about I have a very tight group of people that are very helpful. And instead of offering advice, I just continuously appreciate the friendship and the love. I think I could really go off tracks if I took my, off, my eye off the prize and went with advice outside of those who are treating me. I've had some weirdness. I've had some people reach out and just say, hey, my mom died of breast cancer. <laughs> okay, Thanks. Oh, thanks for reminding me that my disease can be lethal. It's a little strange. So I'm encouraging you, if you know somebody dealing with something, don't promote the horrible side of it. Don't, you know, I know everyone's just trying to connect. Oh, my mom died of cancer, of breast cancer. That means they care, right? And they've been through something like it. Wonderful. I get it. It still is not helpful. So I'm sturdy, and I can kind of laugh that off while feeling bad for my friend, but it's not helpful to a patient to twist that knife in. So my, my advice future moving forward is don't share the ugly side of a disease when talking with a friend who has it. Just say, you're going to be great. If I can help you specifically, hey, Friday, can I be bring you dinner? Or, you know, I can pick up the kids, whatever it is, that's helpful. And I don't think most patients probably want to mull about the nasty side of whatever they've got going on. At least I don't. Actually, my friends who have had various types of cancer, what they have done, which I found interesting, is all of them have said, Hey, I'm so sorry you're dealing with it. I've been through it, too. I know you're getting all sorts of crazy advice your way. I'm not going to give you any, but if you need anything, let me know. And I think those are people who've received Lots of crazy advice, (laughs) right? So um, so yeah, so if I don't seem like, hey, tell me all about your aunt who died of breast cancer 20 years ago, I want to know every detail. It's because it just doesn't seem helpful. It doesn't seem helpful. I am empathetic to everybody who's lost someone or everyone who's living with this. And what I promise to do moving forward when I'm done with this nasty disease is... Not offer, not provide a lecturing advice or a lecture to anyone who's having it. I'll just say, Hey, sorry you're going through it. I was there. If you need anything, let me know. And that will be my game plan. Hopefully that's helpful to you. If not, well, sometimes I give advice that nobody thinks is helpful. I've been through two chemo treatments. Um, I have a handful more of. The mean concoction I'm going through, after that, I'll remain on one of the chemo drugs for about a year. Uh, I will eventually have a lumpectomy. I will eventually have some radiation. I'm not sure what the details are and all those things. We're going to find out moving forward. I don't have one of those crazy breast cancer genes. And I think everyone thinks people with breast cancer have a crazy breast cancer gene. Not everyone does. In fact, most people, what is it, 94% of the people do not have the crazy breast cancer gene. Uh, so, yeah, we don't have to talk about that either. But for those who have it, I'm I hope they take proper action on that behalf. I have had, since treatment started, I have hosted the Los Angeles Marathon, the Encinitas Half Marathon, and the Public Savannah Women's Half Marathon. Those weekends have been wonderful. And nothing makes me feel better than to get back out with my runners, my athletes, my walkers, my people. I tell you what, if there's a therapy, if there's a cure for the cure, that's it to me. Being around all of you means so much. Moving forward, I have a ton of races on my schedule, and if you are in the area, I hope you will please come on out. If you are healthy, I'll take hugs. If you got a cold or anything worse, please, no hugs. We'll do air hugs, air high fives. You can owe me hugs, and I'll owe you hugs, but I'm trying not to get sicker then I already have, I have a disease. I don't want to be sick, right? I don't want to be sick on top of it. But this coming weekend, which I'm super excited about, last weekend of April is the Big Sur Marathon. And I have so many of you going and I can't wait. That'll be a Rudy and I deal. The following week, the OC Marathon in Orange County, we have a marathon, a half, a 5K, several challenges. That race is a blast. We have a discount code, Team Noisy, if you'd like to register and join us. Right after that, the next weekend, I will be back on the microphone for Wonder Woman, which I cannot wait, in Little Rock. And that race is on May 11th. My discount code is FITSNESS for all the Wonder Woman races. The very next day, uh, well, I'll leave Little Rock on... I host it on Saturday morning. Saturday night, I fly to Detroit. Sunday morning, I host the Ann Arbor Goddess 5K. And that race is so lovely. And it's actually in honor of... uh, ovarian cancer awareness. So that's a fun one. And I always look forward to spending time with those wonderful survivors and taking good care of the people who are patients at the time. So I'll have something interesting in common with them this year, but hopefully we'll all move forward. I have next week off and then I'll be at the Buffalo Marathon for Memorial Day. Again, discount code fitness. There's a full, a half, a 5K. We've got a dog race called the Ruffalo Stampede. We've got baby races, a diaper dash, kid races. It's an absolute blast. Book your flight to Buffalo, and then you can go see Niagara Falls. June 9th, I will be in Chicago for Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman Kansas City is June 22nd. Wonder Woman Fargo is June 29th. Wonder Woman Denver is July 14th, and... I have a run in my Wonder Woman tutu, so I need to get another one moving forward. But nonetheless, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm grateful that amongst this bit of chaos I'm dealing with, with my health, that I have fabulous people and fabulous things to look forward to. I wish that upon all other people enduring similar things, that they have something wonderful in their life that gives them a reason to smile and a reason to get up. And I do. I do. And it's because of you guys. I thank you for not only allowing me to be your trusted guide for health and fitness, the person you go to to learn how to live better and longer by exercising, eating wisely, and doing all the other things, but... Just matters to me that you come out sometimes and we get together and you you brighten up my day. All of you do. Thank you for the sweet messages. They always help more easily when they come on the public Facebook page and a comment. The private messages are drowning me. And again, they're so sweet. But yikes, if I haven't answered your private message, it might be because I'm getting a hundred a hundred a day and they're hard to keep up with. But I love you all. I am curable. And I won't be talking too much about breast cancer moving forward. I'm hoping to keep it to a minimum because, again, I think it's a little bit boring. Oh, this is, that. before I go, before I go, this is really what we need to do is we need to all be proactive on behalf of our own health. And this is probably... People always say there's got to be a reason, and I don't think there's a reason for this. I think I'm a raging fluke. That's what I think. This cancer is just one cell gone haywire, and there's no cosmic message involved. However, I'm going to grab those bull by the horns. I've been told one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer in their lifetime, which is appalling, especially for someone like me who gets to stand over crowds of mostly women. At Wonder Woman, I get 5,000 women or more. And out of 5,000, to think that 700, 700 of them will have to go through this is unacceptable. It's appalling. It's no fair, not fun. And I think we can do better. Now, mind you, all of your healthy living habits should be the best prevention mechanism you could go for. Not smoking, not baking in the sun, not being out without sunscreen, um, eating the healthy foods. All of those things matter. But apparently, for some of us, that cell is going to go haywire. I need you to catch it fast like I did. I had less than two full months between clean mammogram and yucky mammogram. And so do your self-exams. Ladies, I'm talking to you. Men, I'm talking to you too. It doesn't hurt to squeeze your pecs. It may even feel good. Um, I was not at the moment doing those self-exams when I found my lump, but I do do my self-exams. I do them regularly. I would have found it. Anyways, I'm 100% confident I would have found that lump based on my proactive behavior, checking myself for stuff. So ladies, gentlemen, you've got, ladies got the boobs, and guys, you got them too, men get breast cancer, but you've got testicles. There's some things we can find on our own, right? So squeeze, squeeze, squeeze your stuff. Squish them around. Ladies, we've got the the clockwise thing, rub one o'clock, rub two o'clock, If you've got a romantic partner, ask that person to squeeze your stuff, too. Have someone squeeze your testes. Ladies, open up your arms and let your lover grope your boobs. But (laughs) you'll find things on your own. And I hear a lot of people find both breast and testicular cancer because their partner found it first. So just do the stuff that, that makes a difference, right? Look at your skin. Go for the exams, but squeeze your stuff. That's that's my that's the best I can do here, right? If I was given this for some stupid cosmic reason, which I don't believe that I was, this would be it. Is to remind you that it happens to even the healthy of us, healthiest of us, and we can beat it if we find it quickly. So now I'm going to shut up and thank you for your time once again. I love you all. I hope that you are exercising often and eating wisely, sleeping well, removing the crappy people from your life, and squeezing your stuff. I'm Fitz Kohler, and now it's your turn to get to work. Bye, team.
0: Hi, this is Rudy Novotny, the voice of America's Marathons. We all love how much running has benefited every aspect of our lives, so much so that most of us only wish we'd started sooner. Wouldn't it be wonderful to gift the opportunity to children of today? Well, you can. The Morning Mile is a before-school walking and running program that gives children a chance to start each day in an active way while enjoying fun, music, and friends. That's every child, every day. It's also supported by a wonderful system of rewards which keeps students highly motivated and frequently congratulated. Created by our favorite fitness expert, Fitz Kohler, Morning Milers across the country have run over 2 million miles and are having greater success with academics, behavior, and sports because of it. The Morning Mile is free to the child, free to the school, and is inexpensively funded by businesses or generous individuals. Help more kids get moving in the morning by visiting MorningMile.com. Champion the program at your favorite school or find out more about sponsorship opportunities. That's MorningMile.com. Long may you run.